the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. Love covers all. That is the title of our next message in Genesis chapter 9, where we're talking about how God's love covers just about everything. Let's jump in. Yes, in life, when we love like the Bible tells you and me to love, It will always cover a multitude of wrong. Consider what we were told in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which just happens to be the defining chapter of love in the entire Bible. And that's where we have real love defined. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 4. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. You know, it is not provoked. Love does not take into account a wrong that's suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. Well, if you're having a rough spot in your marriage, you need to go read this chapter. You need to be refreshed on what love really is. Because love is not just a feeling. It's not just goosebumps, you know, over you. Love is actually a real thing. Yes, without question, this is the most comprehensive description of love, of biblical love, that is, in the entire Bible. As God declares to humanity what love really is. Know this, it's only when us Christians, when we choose to die to ourselves and to submit to the Holy Spirit of God that we can fulfill this kind of love. Yes, we're all called to aspire to this selfless type of love. We're all called to pursue this high calling. For real love is not passive, it's action. Real love doesn't focus on what love is, rather of what love does and doesn't do. Meaning love does not feel patient. Love is patient. Love doesn't have just kind feelings as much as it does kind deeds. Yes, real love is only love when it's given a chance to act itself out. So without question, true love will cost us. What does it cost us? It will cost us everything. It was Amy Carmichael, who is one of my wife's most favorite authors. She was a missionary. 
And she said this quote, she says, you can give without loving. And that's true. You can give without loving. You can just throw somebody some money. There's someone on a street corner. Hey, here's 20 bucks. Go buy dinner. You know, you don't have to love that person. You can just do that. But she goes on to say, she goes on to say this, but you cannot love without giving. You can't love without giving because that is what true love is. You give. As we continue in our study through the book of Genesis, it was the lack of love amongst humanity and the continual pursuit of sin and wickedness that brought God's judgment upon the earth. The Bible said back in Genesis chapter 6 verse 11, it says, now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. Yes, God had warned humanity of a coming judgment. In fact, God warned humanity for almost a thousand years, because back in Genesis chapter 5, we saw and looked at a man named Enoch, who had a son named Methuselah. Now, Methuselah's name meant when he dies, judgment will come. And Methuselah lived, think about it, 969 years old. He was the grandfather of Noah. The godly heritage started with Noah's great-grandfather, Enoch. And Enoch had this radical conversion to God when his son was born, that is, Methuselah. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God, and then he was not, because God took him. He was one of only two men in the Bible that never physically died. Of course, the other was the prophet Elijah. But know this, Enoch came to a turning point in his life. There was a fork in the road, you could say. There was a place of conversion when his son Methuselah was born, and it caused him to make a decision to stand for the Lord. And it changed the entire direction and the course of his life. And that had a huge impact on his family. And he passed that fire of the Lord down to his great-grandson, Noah. Now, according to 2 Peter 2.5, Noah became a preacher of righteousness, meaning the whole time that Noah was building the ark, this humongous boat in a field with no water around it, he wanted the people to know of God's judgment that was coming, that the God was going to judge the earth because of its sin and wickedness. Now, I'm sure that Noah was ridiculed and he was mocked by those people around him. Yet it didn't change Noah's purpose in building this huge boat that God had told him to build. So therefore, since God told him to build it, he built it. And it took a very, very long time to build. We're told that it took Noah 100 years to build this boat, to complete the ark. This obviously happened before God had shortened the lifespan of humanity. People were still living several hundred years old at this point. But the day came when God told Noah to enter the ark when it was completed after a hundred years of building it. Yes, when God says that judgment will come, guess what? It will come just like he's told us here in these last days. Because today, you and me are called to do the very same thing that Noah did. We are all called to be preachers of righteousness. No matter how young we are, we're to be 
preachers of righteousness. We're to tell other people that judgment is coming once again because of our own wickedness here in the world. So we are called to do the same so that people can turn away from their sin and be forgiven even as we have been forgiven of our sin. Yes, we need to be forgiven of our sin, of our shame, and now we're to live a life of great purpose. Because you look around in this life today, like, why do you even want to live? I mean, we got all this stuff with COVID and the shutdowns and this, and we got the, you know, the parties, are, you know, Democrats and Republicans are all complaining to each other and this and that, and the world's turning upside down. We got violence that's exploding. Why would you even want to live? Listen, you're supposed to live. Because we are called to be preachers of righteousness. We're called to point people to Jesus in this time. And we're all, amen. But we're called to know God. Why? Because every one of us are called to not only know him, but we're called to worship him. And we are called to serve him. That is our calling. That is why we're here. And part of serving God is to proclaim the truth of God's word and the judgment that's coming. Because just like Noah proclaimed judgment in his day, We are to proclaim a judgment that's going to happen in our day. And just like they mocked Noah, they will mock us also. In fact, listen to what the Bible tells will happen to us here in the last days. Let me read it to you. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 says this. Know this first of all, that in the last days. You know, let me give you the explanation in the Greek language of what last days means. It means last days, okay? It means right here where we're talking about right now, where we're seeing everything fall apart. When Jesus gave the Olivet Discourse on the Mount of Olives 2,000 years ago, the disciples asked him, what's going to be the sign of the end? And Jesus says, when you see these signs, when there's wars and there's famines, there's the di- diseases in the world, you'll know that the coming of the Son of Man is right at hand. When you read in the book of Daniel, and it says, man's intelligence will expand in the last days. When you see man's you know, knowledge is being increased, you'll know that it's the last days. If you go back 150 years ago, not much changed from the 3,000 years before that. But in these last 150 years, man's knowledge is just off the hook. Now we're talking about planting an American flag on, the, on Mars. Who would have ever thought of that? But that's where we are. Man's knowledge has increased. But he says, in the last days, mockers will come. And they're mocking, following after their own lusts. And they'll say, where is the promise of his coming? For every since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the, from the beginning of creation. It's like, oh, you Christians, you're a bunch of nuts. You've been talking about Jesus coming back ever since the time that he was crucified and resurrected. You've been saying he's been coming back. That's right. And guess what? He's coming back again. And he's coming back sooner than you could ever imagine. Verse 5 says, And when they maintain this, it escapes their notice. Who? When the wicked, those who don't follow Christ, when they say this, it escapes their notice that God made the heavens and he existed long ago. And the earth was formed out of water and by that water and through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. So he talks about the very fact that God kept his promise back then 
when he said, when Methuselah dies, 969 years later, judgment will come. He kept his promise back then. He's obviously referring to Noah. Verse 7 in 2 Peter 3 says, but by his word, the present heavens and the earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice. Don't forget this, beloved that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. Now, let me just say here, when we were looking at the creation back in Genesis one, where God created this in one day, and then this happened in another day, people want to add on thousands of years on that. But in that case, in Genesis one, he says, and it was one day used the Hebrew word yom, which is a 24 hour period. So God created the heavens and the earth in six literal days, six yoms, 24 hour periods. But in other times, God, because he's outside of time, one day can be like a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Then he says, and all these things, they forget his promise. But don't think that the Lord is slack or slow concerning his promise, as some count slackness. But he's patient towards you, not wishing that any would perish, but that would all would come to repentance. Verse 10 says, but the Lord, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night and in which the heavens will pass away and a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be all burned up. You know, I remember when I was little, uh, the people across the street were going on vacation. And so they gave me the key to their house. I had to go feed the dog. I just had to take care of the house. So I went over there one night, you know, to to take care of the dog. And I walked in the house and I noticed that the backsliding glass door was open. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And it's like I look down the hallway and everything's all, you know, messed up and stuff is turned over. And then whatever, I'm like, oh, my goodness, the thief had come. He came because he knew what? He knew the people were gone. So he came in and he stole all kinds of stuff. I'm like, oh, my goodness. See, the Bible says that Jesus will come like a thief in the night. You don't know when he's going to come. You're not sure because a thief doesn't call you up. Hi, how's it going? Are you going to be there tonight? Yes. Okay, well, I'll come another night then. Because he doesn't want to come. You know, I've had my tools ripped off out of my car. If I would have known that someone was going to come and take my working tools, like what kind of a dog thief rips off a man's working tools? I used to lay floors for a living, so I had these tools. That's how I made my livelihood. And you're going to steal the tools that I used to make my livelihood? What a dog! And if I would have known he was going to be there, I would have been out there with a baseball bat like, okay, boom, let me knock you out of the park, okay? Or with a famous, but that's a whole other story. We'll leave that for another time. But Jesus says, I'm going to come like a thief, meaning you're not going to expect when I'm going to come. It's not going to be a time like, oh, obviously Jesus is coming back today. So why does he do it like that? Because you need to be ready. You need to be ready. Watch how you live. Be sober in how you live. Well, as we saw last time, Noah and the ark survived the 40 days of rain that God had caused to come down on the earth as everything that lived, man and animal, was killed while God's love and grace had spared Noah and his family on the ark. We also saw last time that according to Genesis chapter 8, verse 4, in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark rested upon the mountains of Ararat. This is believed to be modern-day Turkey. These mountains are of the 17,000-foot elevation. That's almost 
double the elevation of the highest mountain here in Southern California, which is Big Bear Mountain. So from Genesis chapter 7, verse 11, when they entered into the ark as the first drop of rain hit, to Genesis chapter 8, verse 16, when Noah stepped out of the ark on the dry ground, it wasn't just a 40 days of rain. Oh no, it rained for 40 days, but he was in that ark for one year and 10 days. Talk about getting some cabin fever with a bunch of stinky animals. Now you would think, since God destroyed all of humanity, except for this one family, that now people would proceed without sin. But unfortunately, that's not the case. But today, in light of our title, Love Covers All, we will consider three points. Number one, a command to heed. God starts establishing, this is how I want life to be lived. So these are commandments, and when we heed them, blessing follows. Number two, a promise is given. When God gives a promise, he keeps his promise and never fails in that promise. And number three, a moment of darkness. Yes, sin slipped in again. Well, let's look at our first point, a command to heed. As we read together, picking up from when we left off, we finished chapter 8 last time. So let's go into chapter 9. We'll start, of course, in verse 1. And it says, And God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth. And the fear of you and the terror of you will be on every beast of the earth and on every bird of the sky, with everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea into your hand they are given. Verse 3, every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give all to you as I gave the green plant. Only you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Surely I will require your lifeblood from every living beast, and I will require it. And from every man and from every man's brother, I will require the life of a man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. As for you, be fruitful and multiply, populate the earth abundantly, and multiply in it. Well, Boy, that's just seven verses, but there's actually a lot there. So let's take every part so we understand everything that he said here. So first, we're told in verse 1 and in verse 7, be fruitful and multiply. God's just saying, hey, have some fun and make some babies. Nothing wrong with that, okay? This is the same thing that he told Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Hey, have some fun, Adam and Eve. You're all naked running around here. Make some babies already, okay? And what a blessing it is to obey God's commands, to first have a relationship with him, to be able to know God. And then second, to meet another believer that also knows God and then embrace who have embraced Jesus as their savior and then to get married, to multiply, to have children and to raise children in the way of the Lord. Nothing better than that. Know the Lord, meet someone who knows the Lord and loves the Lord and then have babies together and raise those children up in the way of the Lord. You know, Joshua chapter 24, verse 15 says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
And let me tell you, with our four kids, me and my wife raised those kids, and we trained them up in the way of the Lord. We did what the Bible told us to do, and that's how we raised them. Well, nowadays, you know, people are not getting married as young as they used to, and they'll still still live in the home. And they'll live in the home in their 20, 25, 30, 35... 40, are you ever leaving? It's like, it's like, but let me just say this. It's real easy to raise up, well, I shouldn't say it's easy. It's a command. And sometimes it's not easy raising up children in the way of the Lord, especially when they hit those teenage years. But me and my wife, it's like, this is the way it is. In our house, you're going to do chores and you're going to go to church. And that's what it is. Now, some parents will say to me, well, look, pastor, you can't legislate righteousness. If, I, if my child doesn't want to go to church, it's like, you know, they don't want to go. It's like, well, hey, too bad. They're living in your house. They're using your shampoo. They're using your toilet paper. You're buying toothpaste. Hey, listen, you're going to church, and that's it. Now, look, if you don't want, amen, if you don't want to serve the Lord, then that's your, that's your prerogative. But if you're living in this house, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, let's fast forward that to when you've got a 30-year-old, a 35-year-old still living at home. You know what? You're going to live here. You're going to, you're going to go to church. And it's like, I'm not going to your church. Okay. Don't let the door hit you on the rear on the way out. Then you're not living in my home anymore. You know, my kids all got married at 20, 21 years old. And that whole time when they were still living at home, they still did chores. They still were a productive part of that family. And they had to go to church. And it's just the way that it was. And if you have older children living in the home and they're out partying and you're giving them a place to live and you're making it easy for them and they're not going to church, it's like, then you know what? You need to find another place to live. You're thinking, oh, pastor, you're so brutal. No, this is what God commands. How about that? This is what God has told us to do. And when you make it easy for them not to have responsibility, guess what? They will not be responsible people. Who do you think's out here looting and doing all of this? You think they're just regular people that have 50-hour-a-week jobs that are out there you know, in the grind? No, they're staying out all night looting and burning cities down. Why? Because they live in their parents' house and they're not having to work and they're not accountable to anything. So it's important for us to be accountable. Amen? Okay. Well, moving on. And now, if you're single here and you desire to marry, that's a great thing. God says it's not good for a man to be alone. Well, it's not good for a man to be alone. It's not good for a woman to be alone. So what I encourage you to do is seek fervently the Lord, that he would make you who God wants you to be. You're thinking like, well, I need to pray for my mate. Well, I think you should pray for your mate. It's not like they're not alive yet. Pray for them, but pray for you. Pray that you would be who they need you to be. That, God, you would just deny yourself and that you would be that help meet, the completion for that other person. So right now, before you're married, you can walk. Are they asking you to do things that you shouldn't do? Are you living in darkness? Are you living in sin? Have you started giving in sexually? Get away from that relationship. Because if they love Jesus, they are not going to cause you to fall. They're not going to cause you to sin before the living God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6.14, Don't be unequally yoked. What partnership is righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship is light with darkness? And if you're already married to a non-believer, you know, God, are you saying I can get out of this? No. <laughs> it's like, God says to stay in that relationship. That has now become your personal mission field to love and encourage your spouse 
into a relationship with God. Once you have committed to each other before the Lord and to the state and you are legally married, God wants you to have a personal and an intimate relationship with your spouse. I mean, it is something that should be coveted only between a husband and a wife. And that's how God made it. First Corinthians 7, 2 says, But because of immoralities, this is sexual sin, let each man have his own wife, let each woman have her own husband, and let the husband fulfill his duty to his wife, likewise also the wife to her husband. She should fulfill her duty. So in the context of 1 Corinthians 7, he's talking about the sexual relationship. We are not to hold back from our husband or our wife. Proverbs 5.18 says, let your fountain be blessed. Now, in the, in the context here, it's the sexual relationship. Let that fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth as a loving hind and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. All the guys are like, yes, Pastor, you're going to get that verse again, yeah? Yes, honey, I just want to be a scriptural man here. Just kind of writing down all these verses here, yeah? Well, listen, you know, we joke about it, but listen, that is God's will, though. His will is that we would have that intimacy with our husband and wife and not find that that intimacy in someone else or in the world or in pornography or anything else. He wants us to have that with our mate. That's all the time we have for today's message. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word, that's Core Church LA, to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.